Madam, what is that? I am not left-handed. Amazing. It ought to be after 20 years. Oh, there's something I ought to tell you. Tell me. I'm not left-handed either. I must know. Get used to disappointment. Hey. <laughs> you know what? There's something about your opponent not seeing you coming, right? I'm not left-handed. I'm not left-handed either. There's something about it. The element of surprise. This morning, we're going to continue our series, Great to Good. Last week, we, we looked at uh, and tried to gain a better understanding of, of Jesus when Jesus says to turn the other cheek, what it meant to turn the other cheek, and, and how, how some of what we learn about being left-handed played into that. We talked about the cultural significance of being left-handed and how, how that then played into our understanding of Matthew chapter 5. I've been really enjoying this series because what we're doing during this series is we're, we're contrasting. We're taking contrast in the Bible. Now, we're not talking about contradictions. There are no contradictions in the Bible, but there are contrasts in the Bible. And that's what we've been looking at. This morning, I want to stay on the theme of being left-handed because some of the things that are seen as limiting in the eyes of the world are not seen that way by God. They're not seen that way. So during our series, I, I want to I keep going through some of these, these contrasts. And the, the next contrast that I want to look at comes from the book of Judges. So I want to look a little deeper into the book of Judges. Judges chapter 3. We're going to start looking at verses 12 through 15. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Getting the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon, king of Moab, for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. So the Israelites cry out to the Lord for a deliverer, and God gives them Ehud, a left-handed man. Why does it say left-handed? Why does it say a left-handed man? Why not just say Israel cried out for a deliverer, and God gave them Ehud, period. Like we said last week in the past, people really, really looked down on those who were left-handed. If you were left-handed, I mean, this was, it was, you know, being left-handed was, if you called someone left-handed, it was much of it, it was an insult to them. So people looked down on these left-handed people. Now, how many people here, I asked this last week, but 
How many people here actually started out left-handed, writing left-handed, and were forced to change in school, and now you write with your right hand? Anyone forced to change? Now you can write with your right hand or both hands? Yeah, there, yeah, a, whole, yeah, a bunch of people. How many people did they try, did they attempt to change you from left-handed to right-handed? Anyone, they tried to change? They tried to change you? Yeah, a few other people. Yep, we said that last week. Now, here's the thing. In biblical times, it was even worse. People who were left-handed were seen as disabled, actually deformed, if you will. People didn't like left-handed people, but God, on the other hand, he loved them. And this was what God would do for the Israelites. He would choose to deliver them through Ehud. It was God who chose. See, the Israelites, they didn't get a choice here. They didn't get to choose who was going to deliver them because they would have picked someone different for sure. So God chose who was going to deliver Israel. And it was Ehud, the left-handed man. If you gathered up all the Israelites at that time and they had to vote, who was going to set them free from Eglon, the king of Moab? Uh, Ehud would not be anywhere near the top of the list. Okay, he wouldn't be in the running here at all, but they're not the ones who chose. God is the one who chose who was going to deliver. And God chose Ehud. God loves to use people who others consider let others consider less than. Or not in the mainstream. God makes a habit of using people who are considered less than by other people, the people around them, or not in the mainstream of things. He just loves to use people like that. Remember we talked about Obed-Edom a couple of years ago? I was going through different characters. I try to, I mean, if I, if I honestly said, and don't raise your hand, but how many people have heard of Ehud before? I'd be like, well, Ehud? You know, I, don't know. I try to find folks like this in the Bible because some of you have been sitting in church for the last like 40 years like, Ehud, never heard of him. That's awesome. So Ehud here. But how many of you remember Obed-Edom? Obed-Edom is the guy. And that was, again, another person who God pulls up and uses, who others would not have considered someone to be used by God in this way. Obed-Edom is the guy who takes the Ark of the Covenant into his house after David takes the Ark of the Covenant, which he was not supposed to do. He was given specific instructions of how you were to carry the Ark of the Covenant. David decides, hey, let's throw it on the back of a wagon and take it to Jerusalem. Not a good idea. On top of that, then Uzzah, who was watching it before, it starts to teeter a little bit. He reached out and touches it. He's dead. He dies immediately. Told not to do that. So we have a very unhappy God here. It is in that context that Obed-Edom says, okay, yes, bring the Ark of the Covenant into my home. He was a man of faith. And God blessed him for his faithfulness. God invested in his life. God used him in incredible ways. If you have a chance, go back and read a little bit more about Obed-Edom and all the things that he was able to do. God moved him along and gave him all this responsibility because he was a man of faith. But he's not the person that most people would have picked out for the job. Remember when they said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Remember? Whereas I remember, someone pretty good came out of Nazareth. Anybody have any ideas who came out of Nazareth? Right, exactly. Jesus came out of Nazareth. You know, you can't listen to these folks. You just can't. 
You're, you're surrounded by people in the world who are pretty much, most, a lot of them are miserable themselves and would love nothing more than to come up with all the reasons why you're not going to be able to accomplish what God has for you. Whether it's being left-handed or whatever else. We're going to go through some of these things. But that's what they do. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, the Son of God came out of Nazareth. See, God makes it clear. Your opinion of capable and God's opinion of capable are two different things completely. Your opinion of what people are capable of doing or who has value and, you know, our opinion, our human opinion and God's opinion are not the same thing. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 7 says this, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We still have the same issues going on today. People judging people for certain things. God says, hey, this is you look at you. You consider his appearance. I don't consider his appearance or his height or anything like that. I'm looking at a person's heart. I created him. I know what they're capable of doing. And I don't look at it the same way you do. In Isaiah 55 and verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. The Israelites cry out to the Lord for deliverance. And the Lord gives them Ehud, a left-handed man. A left-handed man. Think about about our our world today. You think about our world and you you think about yourself in your own life. Consider our world and all the things that are going on around the world, all the evils, all the ills that are going on around the world, and then think of your own life. Think of you, just simple old you. See, God wants to use you. There are people all around this world who are crying out to the Lord for a deliverer, deliverer to deliver them, deliver them from loneliness, from pain, There's child trafficking going on everywhere. There's human trafficking going on in Ohio. There are people crying out for deliverance, deliverance from addiction, all kinds of different addictions. Our world is crushing in on us. I mean, I was watching commercials. I I was watching something yesterday and a commercial came on for, you know, it's like hard cider and hard this and hard that. It's like it keeps on closing in more and more and more. The I'm saying the opportunities are everywhere for us to be addicted to something. And people are crying out who become addicted to be delivered from their addiction, from their abuse, from their bitterness. Some people are so bitter. They're so angry. And they want, they need someone to come along beside them and help them to work through the issues and all the things that have gone on in their lives and their bitterness and they've been overwhelmed, they're angry, and they just need someone to come alongside of them. So they're crying out for a deliverer. And God gave them Courtney, an attractive blonde-haired girl. And God gave them Tim, a skinny teenager. And God gave them Sandy, an elderly woman. And God gave them John, a black man. And then God gave them Sue, who struggled in school. And God gave them Scott, a poor man. And God gave them Nancy, who was abused as a child. Now listen to me. There is nothing wrong or bad about any of those things. Not a thing. Nothing wrong or bad about anything I just described. But they are often things that our world considers limitations 
or even mocks. They will mock some of the things I just described. They, they will mock those people. How many of you have blonde hair and how many of you are sick of hearing all the blonde jokes? You done? Anybody? Sick of the blonde jokes, right? You're sick of it. And, you know, and I'm not, you know, it's, you know, people poke around. It's okay. We don't have to be ridiculous about it. But after a while, if people are, you know, characterizing in certain ways, it becomes a little bit annoying. See, we as humans like to characterize other people. And God loves to capitalize on our characterizations. God loves to capitalize. We are in a spiritual war. And people who like to characterize or, uh, or criticize other people, God just steps back and says, you know what? You keep on characterizing people. You keep on criticizing people. And I'm going to capitalize on your thought processes. See, our, our, our challenging backgrounds, because many of us have those challenging backgrounds, what has happened to us in the past, what other people have done to us, our physical limitations, the, 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 the other people's unfair stereotypes are not limiting to God. God is not limited by those things. That's what we need to understand. Ehud, a left-handed man, a huge stereotype. If you were back at that time and you talked about Ehud and you talked about him being left-handed, people would be like, uh, it's kind of like not as bad as a leper, but, you know, dis, dis, deformed, disabled. It was, it was like an insult to call someone that. And God used Ehud, a left-handed. The Bible doesn't say things for no reason. The Bible doesn't waste a word. And God is saying something to us through this story. He's saying something to each one of us. So those, those, those people who would try to, try to unfairly characterize you or stereotype you, that, is not, that does not limit God in how he's going to use you. God is not limited by their thought process of your life. Someone told me this morning as we were talking out in the foyer after the first service, they said, you know, in seventh grade, people tried to stereotype me or, or categorize me in this way. And I learned a strong, a real good lesson when I got to know some of these people who were criticizing me and realized, man, they're not all that. They're a lot less than all that. And I never let someone put me in a box again. I never let someone tell me who I am again. And they were in seventh grade. The reality is that happened to me when I was 18 years old, when I asked Christ to come into my life. And God started teaching me who I am. And at that point, I thought, honestly, to this day, I don't particularly care who everybody else thinks I am. What I care about is who God says I am. And that's what each one of us needs to understand. I don't care if you're a child here. I don't care if you're in junior high or you're in high school or you're older or you're a lot older. God is going and can use us. And here's the thing. He, it's almost like he relishes the idea when people do that to us because he's standing on the sidelines just waiting to use us if we will not be beaten down by them and if we're open to being used. Even if you have, have you consider, you think you have faults and weaknesses in your life. Maybe you do. Okay, but maybe, you know, even the thoughts and ideas that you have faults and weaknesses, I can show you someone in Scripture who is worse off than you and God used them in a powerful way. Are you a prostitute? Mary. Are you a murderer? Moses. Are you an adulterer? David. Are you a thief? Zacchaeus. Are you a lawyer or a politician? Can't help you there. I'm sorry. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. No, so I know some, there's the lawyers and politicians in the room. So I'm just joking. Just joking. See, I made a characterization. See, well, here's the thing. I made a characterization. Now God's going to use you in a powerful way. See, God's going to use you now. He's just waiting for me to use that characterization. I'm going to use that, Lord. I'm going to use that. I love lawyers and politicians. God, help me. Forgive me, Lord. For, no, 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 I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Love them. But their characterizations and people are put in boxes, and that's what they want you to do. They want to stamp you at a certain point in your life or because you live a certain way or because you come up a certain side of the track, you know, or whatever it may be. They want to limit you. And God says, you are not going to limit those that I have chosen. God loves to use what others consider a limitation in our lives. To show, to show people his glory, to glorify himself and to deliver those in need. God loves to use those who other people would consider as limited in some way. And and there's not a person in this room. Okay, who is a certain age where someone has not come along and somehow criticized you, even if you man, even if you have it all together and God has blessed you in so many different ways. There are people who are jealous of you who are going to come along and try to tear you down and pull you down and discourage you and try to and try to convince you that you're not the person that God created you to be. And God takes those limitations or what people consider limitations. And he says, I'm going to use those to glorify myself. And I'm going to use that person to deliver someone else who's in need. I'm going to rise. I'm going to raise this person up so they can help. And maybe you're the person. You're the quiet person. You know, people don't really expect much of you because your brothers and sisters were whatever they were. And so no one's really expecting that much of you. Here's the secret. God is. And God may, may use you to deliver people who are being trafficked in Ohio or around the world. God may use you to help that orphan get out of his situation. God may use you to come alongside that lonely person, that person who's bitter or a person who's frustrated, or a person who's gone through some things in their lives that needs someone to come along and give them a hand up. God is looking to use his people. In Judges chapter 3. Moving on to verses 15 through 19, it says, I'm going to read 15 again. It says, again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera, the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long. That was about 18 inches long, which he strapped to his, if you have your pen or pencil or something, circle that, his right thigh or his right leg under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us. And they all left. And it goes on to tell us that that Ehud pulled out the sword that was strapped to his right leg and was able to kill the king, that evil king, and set his people free and deliver his people. Went back later on, got the army of Israel together, wiped out about 10,000 Moabites, and they were able to overcome because Ehud was able to get to the king and able to kill the evil king 
with the 18-inch basic dagger, double-edged sword that was strapped to his right leg. God loves to use people in spite of what other people think of them. And God used Ehud in spite of, despite of what other people thought. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, how on earth, this kind of, we're missing some part of the story. How on earth did Ehud get you know, get to a position where he could get away with killing the king. This is the king. This is the king. So how, how did he get away with killing the king? All right. Now you have to go back and remember the culture at the time. Left-handed equaled limited, deformed. Right? So you have this whole cultural thing going on. You can't miss the irony here of this, what's happening. Ehud goes to the king to bring tribute, but he conceals a double-edged sword or, you know, or dagger on his right leg. So he's concealing it on his right leg. Why do I keep talking about him concealing it? Why is, why is that important? Well, let's dig a little deeper here. A right-handed warrior, a right-handed man would grab a sword from which leg? The left leg. Okay, so a right-handed man, which they were every, you know, left-handed, boo, who'd use a left-handed person, you know. So a right-handed person could quickly grab their dagger or their sword from their left leg and pull it out really quickly, okay? So you have, you have Ehud strapping his dagger, his 18-inch sword, to his right leg. The attendants of the king had the same mindset as everyone else in the culture. Left-handed people, no good. So what they would normally do when they check someone for weapons, which leg would they check? Because of their own because of their own stereotypes, they would check their left leg for any weapons or swords or daggers or anything. They didn't even bother checking his right leg. They didn't even bother. The culture at the time, being left-handed people were looked down upon, so much so that it was expected that they would, before any time to adulthood, they would have changed to being right-handed. They were right-handed people. They wouldn't go around advertising that they were left-handed by fighting with their left hand. So no one ever thought about the fact that someone could be sneaking in to kill the king having a sword or something strapped to their right leg. So they checked his, they checked his left leg, did not check his right leg. So God uses their own stereotypes, their own prejudices, their own whatever against them. They don't check his right. They do check his left. There's nothing on his left. So Ehud is able to get some time alone with the king. And because no one's checking his right leg, he is able to kill the evil king and free the people of Israel, deliver the people of Israel. And God raised up a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man. There's a reason. There's always a reason. God knows people's hearts. He knew they'd never be expecting that. He knew they'd never expect it. Listen, when other, try, other people try to belittle you, when they try to belittle you with their, with their, with their, uh, their, their short-sighted, if you will, stereotypes, listen, you need to use this to your advantage. This is what we're talking about here. 
If we're in a war, if we're in a spiritual war, and God wants to use us, God wants us to use us to help others and impact other people's lives, we need to use those, those, those short-sighted stereotypes that people would use against us, whatever it is for you, to your advantage. You need to use it to your advantage. And this is what I'm talking about. This is what I mean. Use it to your advantage. Succeed. Win. Overcome. Lead. Be the leader. Be that person. They don't expect it from you. Take advantage of it. Oh, they'll never amount to anything. Ah, they'll never... This person, oh, you know, boy, they've been, you know, all their lives, they've been, you've been nothing but a black sheep all your life. And this is, you've never been at all. You know what? You're in a perfect, you are in a perfect place for God to use you. They will never see you coming. They'll never see you coming. See, this is something our culture is losing. This is something our culture is is, is losing. And it's actually, it's breaking my heart and making me really angry. Through excuses and entitlements, people are being brainwashed into thinking that they can never make it to the top, that they they will never fulfill the purpose for which God has created them. They will never amount to anything. They'll never be able to succeed because of this and, and this and, and this. And we'll just lay it out. And you, you grew up this way. And this, what, this happened to you. And, and you have this color hair. Or you look this like that. You know, whatever it may be. So you're going to be limited in what you're capable of doing. So we need to come along and somehow help you get through all that. I say boulder dash. Says who are you going to be limited? Who is it that says that you're going to be limited in what God has called you to do and created you to do and purposed you to do? Most of you know my background. I grew up with a single parent. Parents were divorced. We lived in a one-bedroom apartment in New York. We were poor. We were on food stamps. Okay? For a period of time, my mom and I were on food stamps. We moved so much from kindergarten through sixth grade, I, was, I, was, I, I, I needed to catch up with my education. I, was, I fell back in my education. I didn't, they couldn't even catch half the things I moved from place to place to place. I was dealt a bad hand. But I, here's the thing, I would not allow, I would not allow, I would not submit to I would not submit myself to their so-called limitations. All the things, well, if you're, you, if you're with a single parent and you're a latchkey kid and blah, 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 and your parents were divorced and you did this and you blah, 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 you'll end up in jail or you'll end up dead or you'll end up whatever else. I would not submit myself to their so-called limitations for my life. And you know what the culture would say now? People, other people in the culture would say, that's because you're, you're a male and that's because you're white. So you didn't, it has nothing to do with God in your life. It has nothing to do with you hanging on to God in your life and overcoming those things. It's just because of this. And you're, that, that, that's what it's, oh, really? That's what it is. So anyone who's not a male and who's not white, God cannot use them to impact the world, to change the world. Is that what, is that what they're really saying here? Is that, what they're, is that what they're trying to tell us here? That somehow... If you're not this, then God cannot use you to change the world, really? Listen, do not, you, you do not need their help, their sympathy, or their pity. You don't need it. 
You don't need their help. You don't need their sympathy and you don't need their pity. All you need to know is that God believes in you. Even if you're struggling with belief in God, he's not struggling with his belief in you. He knows he created you. He knows what you're capable of doing. He knows how tall you are. He knows the color of your hair. He knows the color of your skin. He knows what side of the tracks you were on. He knows if you're rich, you were poor, you were afflicted, whatever the case may be. He already knows all that. And he has no problem with using you to do amazing things. You don't need their help. You don't need their sympathy. You don't need their pity. All you need to know is that God believes in me. God created me and God believes in me. Now I know, listen, I know that some of you face real obstacles They're not created obstacles. They're not made up. You know, it's like, oh, you face real obstacles in your life. I know that far beyond anything I've ever endured in my life. Because of how you were born, I don't, all those things, you face real, not, not, not fantasy, not made up, not conjured, not, not real obstacles in your life. Here's all I'm saying. I, as your pastor, I, as a pastor of the church, know that more than most people because I interact with people on wide backgrounds. I know there are legitimate uh, obstacles that people will put in your way based upon whatever it is in your life. I know that for sure. Here's what I'm saying to you. Don't let those obstacles stop you. That's what I'm saying. I don't care. You go around them, you go over them, you go through them. You do whatever you need to do, knowing that God is with you. Listen to me. If you choose in your heart that you're going to live for Christ and that you're going to be able to accomplish everything that God has for your life, the world can't stop you. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The enemy can't stop you. God is not going to stop you because he's the one calling you to do it. Who's the only one that can stop you? You. You. I love this quote by Orson S. Martin. He wrote, most of our obstacles would melt away if instead of cowering before them, we should make up our minds to walk boldly through them. It ticks me off that people belittle other people. It ticks me off that people lay limitations on other people. It ticks me off when people try to characterize or, 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 or stamp people a certain thing and that's all they're going to believe. It really it bothers me. If all those things culturally, they bug me. When it happens to people for real, it really bothers me. But what bothers me more is submitting to it and saying, well, don't. somehow God can't overcome those things. And Israel cried out for a deliverer, and God gave them Ehud, a left-handed man. God is making a point. Anyone, anyone can take a powerful, great, well-connected, well-educated, you know, whatever you want to call it, person, and help them succeed. But God takes the weak, the poor, the limited, the disadvantaged, the powerless, those who, who are uneducated, the outcast, the never going to mount to anything person according to culture and uses them to change the world. Okay? He uses all of us. If you were born in such a situation that you have 
that God just it seemed blessed the living daylights out of you. Your life was, you can't even relate to half the people in this room. You know what? That's no problem because you're here and you're using what God has given you to impact the lives of other people. Awesome. You are a part of the team. You're a part of the family. But if you grow up and you struggle with your education and you struggle here and you were poor and you, you, ha- you were abused and you went through all these things, you know what? God can use you as well. Sometimes even more so. You just have to open yourself up and give him the opportunity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, it says this, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Somebody say amen to that whole passage. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If you were given a pretty good starting point, then you boast in the Lord. Lord, thank you for giving me the opportunity as a starting point, And thank you for allowing me to use what you gave me back here to fulfill what you have for my life. You boast in the Lord. And when God takes you, who doesn't expect, people don't, this may then expect you to do anything in this world. Boy, you're that kind of person that, you know, you never were expected to accomplish anything. When God uses you to impact the lives of other people, you boast in the Lord. The same thing. You boast in the Lord. You give the glory to God. You give the honor to God. You give him, you give it all to him. I think God loves situations like this. People saying, here comes Ehud, that left-handed loser. Here he comes. And the moment they say that, God's going, ho, 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 now it's time to do my thing. Now it's time to do what I do best. I'm going to give them Ehud, the left-handed man. Let me tell you something. No one ever saw Ehud coming. No one ever saw him coming. How did God deliver Israel from the Moabites? From Eglon, he gave him Ehud, the left-handed man. Ehud straps the thing to his right leg, walks right in there because those dopes only check his left leg. And God knew they were only going to check his left leg. He walks in, stabs the king, kills the king, delivers his people, grabs the army, chases them all out, and it's all taken care of. God uses people who they never see. They never saw Ehud coming, not the enemy, not even his own people. Not even his own people saw him coming. Let me tell you something. You can do a lot of damage in a good way for the kingdom of God if they don't see you coming. So whenever they belittle you, whenever they stereotype you, whenever they try to put you down or criticize you or keep you down, whatever the case may be, realize something. Realize something. You can do a lot of damage for the kingdom of God if they don't see you coming. Ask Eglon. It's as if God said to all those who would stand up against him, I can beat you playing with my left-handed guy. 
I can beat you plain with my left-handed guy. See, our natural tendency is to shrink back and hide when others, from what others consider weaknesses in our lives. Our natural tendency is just to kind of pull back, to, to kind of shrink back, to, to hide from those weaknesses or, or those limitations, what other people consider weaknesses or limitations in our lives. But instead of doing that, we need to see the truth, the truth that God can use in a powerful way. What happens is we see those limitations and then we think in our hearts because Satan pours into our minds. Everyone's saying you're limited. Everyone's saying this is a weakness. And you start believing that God can only use you in certain ways. That God is somehow, that God is somehow limited in how he's going to use you. And my friends, that is just not true. I have never been diagnosed, but I'm sure I'm 80 something. Anyone has been around me long enough is probably going, yeah. Anybody ever diagnosed you as anything? No, they haven't diagnosed me as anything. But you know what? I may drive some of you crazy, but God can use that gift. And it's a gift. Okay. God can use that gift to his advantage. In some people's minds, whatever I have or don't have, it's a limitation. But you know what? God sees that and says, hmm, I can use that gift. I created him and I can use that to my advantage. God says your so-called weaknesses are just an opportunity for him to show you and the world how powerful he is. So let him bring it on. Let him, let him bring it on. Let me tell you something. Take advantage. Take advantage of what others consider as a weakness or a limitation in your life. Take advantage of it because they will never see you coming. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. Thank you for the story of Ehud the left-handed man because it pertains to each of our lives in different ways. Father, I pray that what others see as weaknesses or liabilities, what others see as limitations, when others try to stereotype or belittle or discourage or demean, Father, that we would look to you and that we would use those things to your advantage. We open up our lives to you, Lord God, and ask that you would use us. Use the mistakes that we have made in our past. Use those mistakes to your advantage. Lord God, use some of the things that other people have done to us. Use those things to your advantage. We know, Lord God, no matter what we've been through, you can take all of those dark and difficult and and challenging things and you can bring beauty out of the ashes. And we ask that you do that in every one of our lives, that we remember Ehud, a man used by God to deliver others. We want to be those men and women, those teens and those children used by you to deliver, to help, to encourage those around us in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. The uh, end of summer bash, you can go over there.